Okay, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, uh, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different cultures, people from different backgrounds, get to learn about other cultures in a casual way. Uh, today I have someone from West Africa, someone from Ghana. Welcome to the podcast, Richmond Danso. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. How's school? I understand you're currently a PhD student. So, I mean, I'm writing my dissertation, and you know the hassle that comes with it. I'm also teaching at Howard, so trying to juggle all those things and family life, and trying to also be socially active. So it's kind of like a bit of, uh, I mean, it's what it is. You have to do it. So you're doing it. Gotcha. So you're, you're currently you're married? No, I'm still searching. So if you can get me a Nigerian woman, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, it's common for, <laughs> I guess it's really popular for Nigerian guys to date Ghanaian girls. Like, Nigerian guys date anybody. Like, they don't care. But I, I don't know how many Ghanaian guys actually date Nigerian women. Uh, I don't, do you have any friends that date Nigerian women? No, I might be the first. You never know. Yeah, I mean, come, man. Welcome, brother. We need to, we need to cross... <laughs> We need to cross-pollinate and exchange our culture, so we'll definitely welcome you into our, our society with open arms. <laughs> so uh, Richard and I are actually affiliated with, uh, we were, were part of a WhatsApp group and affiliated like with the same organization. So there's like a DC WhatsApp group that we're a part of, uh, made up of a bunch of Africans, and most of those Africans are members of the African Union mission in Washington, DC, which is uh, the mission charged by the African Union to kind of like coordinate the affairs of um, the African diaspora and people of African descent in the diaspora, uh, covering like America, uh, the islands and things like that. Um, but yeah, um, did you happen to go to the meeting the, on Thursday? Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm um, the vice chair for that Greek sector, so I had to be there. So oh, wait, there. wait, you presented? No, no, my chair presented, um, but I was there supporting. I was sitting behind there. Just oh, yeah, it, it, was, it was an amazing one. I mean, it's just like 10 minutes walk from my house, so like it's easy for me to get there. Uh, but it was just interesting. Uh, we attended uh, the Padia Second General Assembly, Padia meaning the Pan-African Diaspora Youth Association, uh, which is an organization we're both part of. And it was just amazing to hear uh, Ambassador Ari Khanna speak and talking about uh, ACTFA, which is the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, how it's, you know has gone into effect July this year and the plans for Africa Agenda 2063, the next 50 years. But it's interesting. What do you guys do as part of the Agric subsector or committee of PADIA? What do you guys uh, seek to do uh, in that group? And basically, we are trying to look at um, the broader framework of the African Union, which is trying to make the continent full security and self-sufficient. Right? Mm. So we are trying to look at what they are doing and align our mission and pushing towards what they are also doing. And that's what uh, my chair and myself have been trying to do. We are looking at their policy and everything that they've been doing. And it's trying to study it and pick one particular aspect and focus on it and also become our policy. So where the youth can get involved in because, I mean, Back home is like when you're in agriculture, you are poor, but that is supposed not be the case. And yeah, because everyone eats food, right? And it's big money, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can get a youth to be interested in it, it doesn't. I mean, I'm a political scientist by training, but look at me in the agri sector, right? So I feel like if you have the desire, if you have the vision, and you can contribute to that quota, that's really good. So that's what we are trying to do. It's still in the parliamentary stage, like very elementary, and trying to um, come up with policies and trying mm -hmm. to test out, um, get our feet words in so many ways. But generally, that's what we are trying to do. Now. 
I mean, correct. Like even the organization in general, the African Union Mission, which was just founded, I think, in 2016. Uh, this is just the second General Assembly for the youth section of the African Union Mission. So, but I can see potential in that organization in, you know, coordinating the diaspora because it almost seems like, I, I don't know how it is in Ghana, but imagine in most African countries, a lot of people that kind of like venture out and come back tend to effect changes, not to discount the people who are in the country, um, you know, making change from within, but a lot of the diaspora historically from Fela, Nicola Pokuti, to Wale Shoinka, to Kwame Nkrumah, you know, all these are like, people who were kind of like ventured out at one point in their life out of school or whatever and came back to you know, contribute to the continent. Yeah, let me tell you a quick story. So, and I teach Pan-Africanism at Howard University, mm-hmm. and I always tell my students that aside from the fact that those platforms are doing a lot of great work, People from the diaspora, when they get back up, put this newfound energy, right? And they're able to effect changes, as you said. I mean, Kwame Nkrumah took a good example, right? He came here, he went to UK, he studied, and there was that desire to liberate his people, right? I think it's the feeling that you've been out, you've seen things differently, and you can just not comprehend why things are not working, right? So if you're able to tap into that energy from the diaspora, I think that would be a really good thing. So sinking the energy from the diaspora and people back home together, I mean, I'm pretty sure Africa will do very well. I mean, we, Africa cannot develop without the diaspora. It's, it's simple. No great nation in the world has developed without the diaspora. Look at Israel. Look at China. I mean, those are countries that depend so much on their diaspora. They might say it or they might not admit it, but that is the truth, right? And we cannot do without our diaspora. And that's one good reason why, for once, I appreciate the effort of the AU back home, giving the diaspora a seat at the table and considering the diaspora the cis region part of the um, African Union, that is a right step, it was long overdue, but I think that's right step, and that, those are things we can build upon. I, I look forward to the next 50 years, you know, I'll be like 80 in, in, in 50 years' time, but I, I look forward to it because, you know, I look forward to an Africa where people can move freely within the continent, where cross-border transfers and payments for goods and services have been made easier, where there's been a structure established for people, just like um, how Ghana is doing for people who are of African descent but want to reconnect with the continent and let's start developing things ourselves. So it's just... It's just exciting to see. And for, for people who are like listening to us, I want to know more about this. You, know, you can search uh, African Union Mission. It's a organization, like I said, uh, founded by the African Union based in Washington, D.C., tasked with coordinating the affairs of descendants of Africa in the diaspora. So if you're black, you know, you are uh, a descendant of Africa. So you can look them up on Google, look up PADIA, which is the Pan-African Diaspora Youth Association on Google. And yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And um, let me chip in this real quick. You know, this is the year of return. and um, Yeah, 100 Ghana years, is, right? Yeah, Ghana is doing so much big on that. I mean, trying to get a lot of attention back onto the continent. And I would have happy Ghana is doing it. I would have loved it was continental-based, right? Mm, I mean, we have to start somewhere, right? We have to start somewhere. But, I mean, we've been saying that for a very long time, right? So Ghana is doing it. Nigeria could have done it. Ivory Coast could have done it. We could have done it continental ones, or at least the ECOWAS level, right? Yeah. So it's just not one country specific because um, the descendants of Africans outside the continent didn't only come from Ghana. From Ghana. Right? So that is something out there, that's something we can do better next time. And we always. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, you know, um, even though they are still fine-tuning uh, the policies uh, regarding that, something else, even here in the U.S., sometimes some states implement some laws and the laws just make sense and you know, they just take you federal. So, um, 
hopefully, like I said, you know, tying into this uh, Africa Continental Free Trade Act and things like that, we can make things like that global. And I wrote a paper on that, so we can talk about that some other time. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I wrote a paper on that paper. Okay. When it was signed initially and everything. Yeah, okay, okay. The big guys like Nigeria and South Africa were pulling their legs. I mean, you know, Nigeria was like, I don't think Nigeria has ratified, ratified our decision on Upton, have we? I uh, think I'm so. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'll look it up. Yeah, I but, think so. But for now, we have the um, number of states to move on. Yeah, yeah. So, 22 countries yeah. have already signed and ratified the decision. So uh, we can move on with this starting from July this year. Baby steps. So if you are African, if you are listening to this, if you are a descendant of Africa, big things are going to be going on in the continent in the next 50 years. If you are in your 20s and you are looking for where to stake your claim in any sector you are, um, agriculture, engineering, that there's going to be a lot of opportunity on the continent in the next 20 years. Technology. That's a very interesting one. So uh, you might want to, you know, keep one leg in Silicon Valley, but also keep one leg <laughs> in Africa. L- let me talk about your name. So we're having this conversation right before the podcast, right? So I knew you as Nana Yo. Nana Yao. Nana Yao. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then we're chatting. Your number on my phone is like Nana Yao. And suddenly when I wanted to like do a bit of research, you like told me your name was Richmond Danso. So I was like asking you like, I don't understand, like, you have two different, it's not like a first name, middle name, last name kind of thing. It's like two different separate people. So what's the story there? And you were telling me a very interesting conversation before the podcast, but for the benefit of our listeners, what's the story? In Ghana, typically, I understand that it's not uncommon to have a particular name that's used in the home and a name used in school. So what's the story there? My full name, if you ask me, I'll tell you, is Richmond Nanaya Odanso, right? Okay, so, so you have four names. Um, I've never thought about it that way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> oh, you, you're here to educate us. So. I've never thought about it that you way. Know, educate me. And what? our names are very... What's the culture? All right, so the culture behind, um, the reason behind it, Richmond is obviously English name, right? So proud to um, independence and um, Ghanaians having liberation, you were forced to use colonial names, right, mm. um, as part of your name before you could be admitted into schools. Right, so that is how come. Oh, so if you don't change your name historically in Ghana, you won't, you will not be admitted into the British educational system yeah, in know, Ghana. Most of those schools were missionary schools, and right. I don't think it was just peculiar to Ghana alone. Like these missionary schools will ensure that you have Christian names, right? Correct. To be in the school, right? So in Ghana, it's not uncommon for people to have like their Christian name Joseph, whatever it is, with their last name, but back home. If you're playing with your friends, your parents, they're going to call you by your native name. So my native name is Nana Yao. Yao because, Nana I, was Yao. On, yeah, because I was born on Thursday, right? And we have that naming system. And Nana pretty much means, I mean, I get a lot of people. Nana Yao is my name on Uber. Let me tell you a story. And the drivers will pull up and I'll be like, hey, what's up? Like, um, I'm looking for the lady Nana Yao. I said, no, I'm Nana I'm Yao. Nana Yao. <laughs> said, is that your real name? I said, yeah. I said, why? is said, oh, it's not very, very feminine. So it's a title, right? You can use it as a name or as a title. So it means it can mean prince, king, grandma. Well, wait, what can mean prince Nana? Nana. It could mean okay. prince. It could mean grandma. It could mean grandpa. It's uh, it's just a way to show um, respect, right? Okay. So it's a title to show respect. And it could also be used as a name. So if you're using it as a name, then the female version is going to be Nana. Nana. Yes, yeah, that's a name. It's spelled the same way? No, N-A-A-N-A. Oh, so the female version has two A's. Yeah, in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. So Nana. Nana. If oh. it's used just as a title, then both male and female unisex is Nana. So you can call a queen mother Nana. Okay. You can call the king Nana. 
unisex. Unisex. So, so Nana is unisex and kind of like tied to meaning my brother, my sister, yeah. my friend, my. But Nana is the female one. The female. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean my brother, my sister. It means it shows reverence. Oh, right? so for someone Up of there. a higher yeah. caliber. Right. Okay. So if you. I have this conversation with my African American friends who call their grandparents Nana also. And they're yeah. like, I call my grandma Nana. No, they're so like, why, Nana. <laughs> why should I call you Nana? I said, let's judge a bit of history, right? Yeah. Your grandparents, at Atlantic slave trade. Yeah. Let's make a connection. Like, it's yeah. not so difficult for you to get it. And we're like, oh, wow. Okay, I never thought about it that way. So, yeah. I mean, there's still all those historical things that find us. So, that's one of them. So, that's my name. Which yeah, one a bit dancing. of history. Yeah. And just to be curious, what name is on your birth certificate? Um, so when I was um getting my birth certificate, I had to either um because the state was too small to either use abbreviations for Nana and Yao. Okay. On it, or I should use Richmond Down. So I went with Richmond Down, but I, I didn't want to have abbreviations in my name. But if you ask me how I was my name, I told you Nana Yao. Gotcha. I barely use Richmond. Gotcha. And you mentioned something, and this is something someone also told me, because I was in Ghana last year, uh, last summer. I spent like three months in, in Ghana. And someone also talked to me, because you, you talked about Yao being burned on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And someone was explaining, my Ghanaian friend was explaining that to me, too, that depending on the day you were born, mm -hmm. you have a particular name, like Adwa, mm -hmm. and you know things like that. So is, is it like there's a name for every day, Monday to Sunday? Every day, Monday to Sunday. And there's a, there are names for events, right? And there are names for... Like if you are born within a good season, you are called a free year, which is a free year. A free year. That's my grandma's name. That is, okay. you came at the right time. You came in terms of happiness. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and their names for like um, uh, Mensa, who is somebody born like the third person. Yeah, right? Mensa is a popular. Yeah, Mensa. The female version is Mansa. Mansa. Right? So almost every name there is like a female. So my last name is Dan. So the female version, which is my sister, is Dan Soa. Danswa and yeah. Danso. Yeah. So there's always that. So Yao, the female version is Yao. I love it, man. I love it. Can, can I ask what particular, are you, uh, what particular tribe or culture uh, do you come from? All right. So good question. <laughs> it brings out the Pan-Africanism in me, if I'll call it that way. But I mean, I don't like to use the word tribe. I think it's more ethnic group mm -hmm. than tribe, right? I mean, We've used the word tribe and it has got these negative connotations. And if you really, look at the, yeah, if you look at the literature, mostly it's used for Africans. I mean, uh, when I talk I about mean, it, Native Americans have tribes, parts of South America have tribes. I mean, yeah, but you start reading into it and it's what the under underdeveloped world. I mean, that's a conversation for another time, right? Yeah, but, I mean, it is, but, a, but I, I'm, I'm eager to, to hear your perspective on I, this. I, I, I think, um, with the exception of the tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. which is used in a more positive line. And that, you can allude to the biblical aspect of it, right? Oh, so you're saying that people use the term tribe condescendingly most of the time. Yeah, it is. They use it in a demeaning way. I mean, is this based on research or just your... It's based on research. I mean, I've done a lot of research on it, and um, I tend to agree with that. I mean, those are some of those spoken words in literature you think. You, might, you have to really pay attention to it. So what was used before the Europeans had interactions with Africa? Was it clan? Was it nation? What was used? Nation. I mean... Um, no, I mean, what was the traditional word that was used to describe a, a group of people belonging to a certain... Um, so we are going to call Asante, Asante, Asante mind. That is Asante Kingdom. I know. Ashanti Kingdom mm -hmm. is a what? Is Ashanti, kin is Ashanti a tribe? Is it a nation? Is it a kingdom? It's a nation. It's a nation. It's a nation. Okay. 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 Right. So, how are you going to call um, the Catalans in Spain? Are you going to call them mm. tribe or nation? 
Mm. Right? So if I'm going to call the Catalan as a nation, mm. like why do I have to call Dashante as a tribe? As a tribe. I mean, I, when I look at it, well, let me talk a little bit of pop culture. Like in, in Black Panther, for instance, the, the movie, uh, and I know that was fictional, but it, it's almost close to reality. So the whole Wakanda was one particular nation, if you will. Mm-hmm. But within that, you had the Jabaris mm-hmm. and, you know, different tribes, like four or five tribes within that. Mm-hmm. So isn't it possible to have like the Ashanti kingdom, but also have some subgroups within that? Right. So you have uh, the Ashanti on its own is an ethnic group within the Akan structure. So the Akan mm-hmm. is a broader context, right? Oh, so there's a real brother Akan. That is, a, and Akan stretches from Ghana, Ivory Coast and Togo. Uh, the whole southern part of Ghana, southern part of Ivory Coast, most of it, then part of Togo, right? So, Etika is a Yamusuko, right? It's an Akan word, but it has been Frenchized, if I'll call it that way, right? It has been Francophonized, right? In that yeah. way. So, the Akan is that broader thing. Then, Ashante is an ethnic group within the Akan nation, if you want to call it that way, right? Mm. We have other things like the Achim, the Piapim, the Fanties, and other people, right? And I think that I'm not picking hers, but just for like we have to use the right words for ourselves. Yeah, right? definitely, if, definitely. If I um someone is not going to call themselves tribes, but they feel like they're a nation, and that gives them a positive image, right? And those are imagery things, propaganda. Then we also have to call by the right words. We have to use the right words for ourselves. So a tribe has been given negative connotation, then I don't have to use it for my African brother. Okay. That's so, an interesting. That's an interesting bit of information. That's something I wasn't totally or entirely familiar with, but I get uh, the perspective uh, you are coming from. So, what nation do you belong to? Uh, I'm from the Achim. Achim. Achim ethnic group. Yeah. So okay. that is um, eastern part of Ghana, eastern region of Ghana, mm. part of the broader Akan group, right? So the Akan group, we all came from the same place. We just migrated to different sections. There's all this history about it. But within that is that chain, and we are like three percent of Ghana. We oh. speak three, like there's we speak three also. Yeah, there's practically no difference between our Santi and our team. It's just um who your parman chief is, right? So mm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And tree, tree is uh, spelled T W I, but it's pronounced tree. Yeah, a uh, uh, language in Ghana. I was trying to let me see how many. When I went to Ghana last year, I learned uh, Medase. Yeah, thank it's you. like thank you. Mm-hmm. I learned, uh, of course, Akwaba. Uh, and um, let me see. Oh, what else? I learned. I learned a bunch of things, but hey. So but, yeah, just uh, here and there. Yeah, to keep in this, I think I was watching a, um, a documentary. In Ivory Coast, right? Yeah. And you know, Ivory Coast and Ghana are neighbors. And we share the same things. They say Aquaba, but starts with double A. Mm. They have Kinte. They have Kinte Festival. Yeah. Um, Kinte the Cloth. Kinte the Cloth. Mm. Um, it's believed that their first president, Okay Boahin, is Makan. Mm. Laurent Poku, one of their prospect footballers. I mean, they've got all this big. Akan group I mean, I can, you know, it's the same thing where, you know, parts of Nigeria, the Yoruba nation extends into Togo, mm-hmm. uh, the Benin kingdom mm-hmm. extends into uh, you know, other parts of Africa. But we can tie all this back to the Berlin Conference, right? When uh, King Leopold and his goons and all those guys uh, sat together somewhere in Germany and brought out the map of Africa and divided people. And even within the same, so all of a sudden, parts of Cameroon, who had cultures and things, you know, indigenous people in Nigeria and parts of Nigeria who had cultures, you know, 
uh, that were similar to people in Niger and other countries that just divided it haphazardly and created these different maps and geographies, and it caused a whole lot of problems. You know, a hundred years later, and you know, a lot, a lot of years later. But it's 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 important that you know we don't forget where we came from, mm-hmm. and we tend to understand that, especially in a continent like Africa, you know, we're not so different. And no, we're all brothers and we sisters. are very we're very similar in everything. I mean, there's there's not so much difference within us. It's just like, um, and I tell my class always that, you know, you have to look at the world as a zero-sum game, at least how it has been created, right? The, the what? The world as a zero, okay. how it has been created, as a zero-sum game. Okay. And that is one thing that's affecting Africans. We do not realize it. Because we don't look at the world as a zero-sum game. We look at the world as communal. But the world and the structures of the world has been built as a zero-sum game. Mm. So until we realize that this is how it has been built. How do you mean the world is a zero-sum game? Explain that. Very individualistic. So you mm. get it, I lose it. Mm. Right? It's like a pie. We divide it and you take your portion, just like what happened in Berlin. You divide it, you take your portion, let me take my portion. Mm. Right? But that is not our understanding of the world. Right? We understand the world from a very communal perspective. And that's why post-independence, um, most African um, leaders tended to be more socialist in their ideological thinking because mm. that is how we've been brought up. That's mm. how we share things. We look at things communal. It's a communal thing. It's not yeah. a realistic thing. It takes a village. Yeah, right. It takes a village. So, but that is not the way that is operating the world, right? So that's how come it's easier for anybody for any part of the world to move to Africa, make a stake, take something from the continent, and people don't really fight for it because we see that we're all benefiting from it. But from the person who is coming to the continent, that's not the motive. I'm taking it, I'm going to make it better, and I'm going to sell it back to you at a profit. And we tend to lose, right? So until we get that perspective and see how people operate and be able to align our um, way of thinking in that way, we're always going to be at the losing end. Interesting. And just to touch on this, this just came to my to my brain. Uh, we're talking about names and days of mm-hmm. the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to get this out of the way before I forget. Can you kind of like give the popular names like from Monday to Sunday? Uh, like if you were born on a particular day, what would you typically be called or most likely to be called? All right, so let's start. And this is a uh, very account focus, right? Okay. So and people tend to make it very Ghanaian because the account group probably is like 50% of Ghana, if not more. So how many, how many groups are under the accounts? We have the Ashanti, we have the Achim. A lot. We have the Ashanti, the Achim, Epiapim, Sefi, Fante, Aguna. So more than 10. A lot. Yeah, a lot of them. Okay. A lot of them. So, but I can't, everyone understand each other because we all speak Chi and Fante. And Fante is Chi with um, a little bit of English and foreign languages in it, right? So okay. and it's got a bit of accent to refer. We all understand each other. I can understand Fante person, the Fante person can understand me. So, okay. So let's start. So Monday, the male is going to be called Kwejo. Kwejo, for the, fe- the man. Yeah, okay. the female is Ajwa. Ajwa. And um, a bit of history here. So the last voice is Jo, D-W-O, which is like calm. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that later. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so people born on Mondays are... It's supposedly supposed to be calm. Right. Okay. Then we have... I know a bit a few Ajwas, two Ajwas actually. I think I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but continue. <laughs> right, then you have um, Tuesday, which is Kwapena. No, sorry. Let me just use haphazardly. So Monday, um, Kwejo, okay. Ajua. Friday is what? Kofi. For the guy, Kofi. Yeah. Okay, Kofi. so Kofi Annan. Kofi Annan, Friday. Okay. Yeah. Ethia. 
female for Friday. Yeah, F yeah, yeah. Okay, like the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she spells it a bit differently. I mean, there's all these variations and all that. Like her singer, F yeah. Okay. Then um Saturday, Kwame. Okay, so Saturday, Kwame. Kwame so Kwame Nkrumah Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me. I'm just. <laughs> you, you might you might not go in sequence, but just throw throw yeah, out the ones that come to mind. Thursday is what well, yeah, the female is yeah. So there are all those different names and things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I really had a fun time in Ghana. To be honest, you know, I I started to say I might have to go back a few times, but as of now, I, I've always said that uh, it'll be fun like retiring in Ghana actually because I went there and I immersed myself. The food was like amazing. You know, I was always there eating. Tilapia every day. I went. I went to really actually. Uh, am I pronouncing that like it's, it's really the waterfall? Yeah, that's in the Volta region. So yeah, the Volta region. Yeah. So I went. I went up north uh, to the Volta region. I wanted to go to Bogatanga, but I didn't get the opportunity to go there. Uh, I went to Kakum. I went to Omina and all these places. And it's just such a lovely country. Uh, people there are always nice. The food is amazing. The music, hip life, and and uh, Afrobeats obviously is amazing, and it, it's somewhere I see myself like retiring. I might just go back to the coast of Omina uh, or something and just uh, uh, chill out uh, for retirement. But one thing that struck me in Ghana, and this is it's just like you were saying for during the naming, that some people tend to just equate some of the traditions and cultures of the Akan people to the whole of Ghana. One thing that struck me in Ghana, because I was I only knew about you know Accra and obviously from the music, Sakodie and all the other people, I ascribed a certain culture, that way of dressing, uh, looks, dance, food, everything to the whole of Ghana, not knowing what until I went to like the Volta region and when I wanted to go to Bogatanga, that's when I saw that. Ghana actually had quite a number of like Muslim population and there were different groups of people and other cultures. So this is just like the same story. No country is a monolith, no race is a monolith. They were it was diverse and people with different religion, different practices, different way of life in the same country. And you know, it's just it just broke down those stereotypes I had before I went there. Yeah, so. people think of Ghana as it is a can nation, if I put it that way. But I mean the northern sector of Ghana is very different. The eastern part of Ghana, which is the Volta region, is also very different because those people are the Voltarians of their airways, very closely aligned to people in Togo, right? And um, the northern part, then you're going to have people with similar culture, Burkina Faso, right? But I think the general thing, because the um, Akan group is so huge and so big, and everybody can speak three pretty much in Ghana, so yeah. they tend to dominate every conversation. But when you're in Ghana, I mean, very different. Even within the southern sector, you have the group, which are not occurrence. I mean, they originally um, migrated from Ilefi in Nigeria, so you have them there. So it's just different mix and different worlds. And I, I must confess, like, I gained a ton of weight when I went to Ghana because I was eating every day. Like, granite soup was... <laughs> I was going on the bank on granite soup on the steady. Wache was always there. I was always going... And look, like, the typical Ghanaian, I mean, when they first served me, because we went there to a local restaurant. They wanted us to go to one eatery. I was like, no, I want to go to like local. So we went there and they brought this like grub, uh, this bowl. Mm -hmm. And though, like, it was almost like the banku was swimming inside all this. And that's not what I'm used to. Like in Nigeria, it's like, you know, the portions are a bit smaller. But it was a lot in Ghana and it just made the whole thing the whole lot sweeter because I was just. <laughs> consuming the thing you guys will have to just try to google some pictures it was it was just amazing but the food was incredible 
The food was incredible. And obviously, there's always an argument between Nigeria and Ghana Jollof. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. I, I mean, I tend not to get so much involved with it because I always say that if you eat your mom's food for a very long time, it tastes the best, right? Yeah. So, um, but Ghana, I had a lot of Ghanaian jollof to be honest. Like when I was in Ghana, and Ghanaian jollof is actually very good. Like it's like it's it's actually really really good. Like I don't, well, thank you for the compliment. I mean, it's coming from a Nigerian, so we can't refuse it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people just tend to. I guess it's just more or less like a troll culture. People yeah. just want something to to pick up. But it was it was really it was really 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 good. The music was something else. Throughout the summer of 2018, when DJ was playing on the radio every day, yeah. Shatawale was troublesome. Shatawale <laughs> was, was, was was being troublesome. Was being troublesome, you know, every day. But you particularly, like, what kind of music uh, do you find yourself uh, listening to, and what kind of dishes do you find yourself consuming? And coming over here, so it's two parts of the question. Uh, what kind of music and food do you find yourself consuming and coming over here to the US? Do you find it easy to keep on with those? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, I mean, let's start with the music, right? Music-wise, I listen to a lot of um, hip life, which is the Ghanaian version of hip-hop. I mean, I listen to it a lot, so people might call it differently, Shatawale, want to call it, um, mm -hmm. is it Afro pop or Afro reggae or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 yeah so. there are different versions, but I mean, it's from the stock hip life. I mean, and Reggie Rockstone is a Godfather. Oh, yeah, he's a Godfather. Yeah. I went to his club when I was in Ghana. Yeah, Reggie Rockstone. Yeah. So I listen to, I tend to listen to a lot of that. I also tend to listen to a bit of um, hip life, which is the indigenous Ghanaian music, right? So I listen to that. I listen to Daddy Dumba. I listen to KK Posu. I listen to uh, Kwabna Kwabna. I listen to a lot of Ghanaian music. I also tend to um, do a lot of R&B and so, you know, so I'm um, just the 90s and early 2000s. Really? Yeah, really good American music. I tend not to keep up with the latest one, I just feel like they don't produce the kind of music I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. um, I will listen to Nas, I will still go back and listen to Tupac, I will still listen to um, Facho and um, Ashanti, you know. So I that was music when you were growing up? Yeah, when I was growing up. So, I, so you don't like this current mumble rap in generation? I guess, I guess, <laughs> yeah, maybe I like it sometimes, but for now I just stick to what I'm used to and I think it's good. Not to say that I don't listen to these guys, I mean once in a while I listen to Cardi B, she's playing something I like, but um, I tend not to like the lyrics of um, the current generation but it's almost like music is even coming full circle because everyone is focusing their attention on Africa when it comes to music like you know uh, Afrobeats is doing major numbers uh, is growing uh, here and there Burna Boy uh, is growing here and there Sakodie uh, is performing in all these countries all over Europe and we have all these uh, Kenyan artists also uh, everybody seems to be tailoring their music, even Beyonce with the Lion King soundtrack uh, and everything. So, you know, hopefully we can have with the like African influence, maybe some of uh, the hip hop that you like will come back I into mean, the mainstream. And it's, um, I think it's generational contextualized. I mean, people talk about what they can relate to, right? People True. think about what they can relate to. And so, I mean, not to take anything away from the current generation of musicians, they are doing what they are supposed to do. They are making the good money, and that's the most important thing to them. For yeah. and I tend to listen more to I mean, Nas, um, Tupac, I mean, 
50 sometimes, Eminem, you know, like yeah. those guys. I mean, that's what I grew up listening to. So yeah. I mean, kind of used I mean, to there has to be some form of sentimental attachment or, you know, the music that you enjoyed when you were 12, 13, 14. Yeah. You know, so, you just tend to hold on to it. It's like when us were listening to Nas and Tupac in the 90s and our parents who listened to mm-hmm. uh, Sgt. Peppers and the Beatles and whatever, I would say, what is this? Yeah, what's what's like, yeah, you're just making noise. Maybe that's supposed to tell me that I'm growing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, growing, man. Yeah, well, so, well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, on the subject of um, how African music is taking over the world, I think that is very important and that is something we have to um, guard against and uh, protect our um, copyright. Preach. Yeah, you know, we, music, Africans do everything in music, right? From the day a child is born till the funeral. Preach. Everything is music to us, right? So that is our way of life. So you go to that Khan um, nation, and if they want the chief is dancing, or if they want to communicate with the chief, they use their drums. That's music, and so it's kind of interesting when I hear the whole concept that well, Africans don't have any history. Africans were not right. Who said the African don't, Africans don't have any history? Africans don't write. Africans don't do this. <laughs> our, we have our own form of doing things, and mostly through music and dance, right? Mm. And um, the world has come to realize it. But like everything else, we have to protect it. We have to make it our own, and we have to make sure that we are benefiting from it. I mean, our natural resources have not benefited from it as we are supposed to. So, music-wise, if the world is paying attention, you have to benefit from it. Yeah, correct. I mean, the the I think the former CEO of Def Jam, current head of uh, YouTube Music, Leo Cohen, was in Nigeria a few weeks ago, and you know, people were writing uh, articles. And I can't blame them for writing it because of what he did to hip hop, you know, uh, co-opted the culture and kind of like, you know, came in and they were just you know, telling uh, some of these artists to be careful on mm-hmm. some of the deals and some of the partnerships that form, they form uh, with the West uh, in promoting our music, promoting our culture. But yeah, the birthplace of traditional music, especially in expressing different aspects of life is, is, is Africa. I mean, I remember picking up souvenirs in the Accra arts markets, uh, the Jambi drums mm-hmm. of Ghana, you know, and those are things that have been used for centuries. And even with the funeral, someone actually invited me to a funeral in Ghana, and I was so upset that I didn't get to go because I think that same weekend I went to Cote d'Ivoire mm-hmm. or something, but I didn't get to go. But a, t- a, a, a traditional Ghanaian funeral is like something I've never seen before. I guess to say that we celebrate the death. Oh, <laughs> my The traditional Ghanaian funeral is something it's, it's, it's like crazy. I've never seen before. From the coffins, I understand that. So can anyone just become a coffin make, maker or it's like kind of like passed down? I think it's kind of passed down I mean, historically. I'm not sure about now, mm-hmm. but I mean, historically, people were assigned to what they can do. And, um, it's interesting because depending on um, what you did in life, a coffin can be made that way. So yeah. if you're a teacher, man, you're going to make a, a coffin made a of fish. fish. I mean, if you're a teacher, I'm, you get a pen coffin. A pen. I've even seen a beer coffin before. I've, I saw that online somewhere. I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, I mean, Ghanaian funeral is something else. I mean, there's, it's a whole process. And that's what people don't care about as Africans, right? Everything about us is a process. I mean, it goes from stage one to, it might not be documented. Yeah. This is how it's done. But we all know that this is how it's supposed to be, right? So you cannot bury somebody who dies today, the next day. Mm. 
unless for religious, religious reasons. reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a typical Akan man, nope. Also, explain like you can bury in the Akan culture, you can bury someone the next day. What do you do in the interim? In the interim, I mean, now the person will be taken to the mortuary and all those things, but most importantly, there's what we call the one week celebration. Oh, it has to be a week. A one week, not, that's not when the person is going to be buried. No, that is when we meet to acknowledge and that someone has died. Yeah, and express our soul and everything. Regardless of how the person is. Um, usually, regardless. But there's a caveat here because if the person's a kid, I mean, we don't pay so much attention to because the notion is that if we celebrate it that way, then death upon case will become rampant. Yeah, so we don't pay yeah. here, we don't pay so much. But if the person is of good old age, one week celebration, that is big. Mm. And even in the US, last week I was in New York and it was one week celebration. Oh, even in the States? Yep. Okay. They do it at night. So, okay, we yeah, can so, make a whole industry out of that one. Yeah, so <laughs> one week celebration, that's when they decide um, when they're going to have the. Um, funeral and everything and plan and funeral is a big celebration in Ghana so you have to plan and sometimes it'd be like six months before the funeral be held three months a mm-hmm. month I mean depending on financially the family and if it's a king it can be even years right wow it can be years and um I mean that's it that's how we do things I mean the culture in Ghana was just so amazing I wasn't sleeping in the hotel I was trying my best to you know, to, know to get out there and experience as much as I can I experienced like two days of Chaliwote yeah, uh, which is a festival uh, that was the first time I had um, uh, so so what's the name of that food it's kind of like made with Gary but it's like they mix it in like red oil and you kind of like use your hands to eat it with some fish I, I had it in Jamestown during the Chaliwote festival um, describe it again Gary. It's made with Gary, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like caked. You oh. soak it a little bit, then it's used. They can use red oil and some spices to mix it up, then sometimes with fish. I think you're talking about kukwe, which is like a mm-hmm. it might Maybe it has another name. If I hear the name, I'll remember. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the typical um, the food, um, which is usually a festival. Popuye? Yeah. Okay, and and you kind of like eat it with your mm-hmm. hands and you use it like you eat it with some oil. We, we, or fish. we eat with our hands, so yeah, I mean, typically, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's just like yeah, it's just like I'm not getting the food, but I'm thinking about that food. Yeah, yeah that, that was great. Yeah. You know, Chaliwote Festival, you know, in Jamestown, uh, also was great. And you you see all this British um, influence in some aspects of how some places are named Jamestown. Mm-hmm. And all those places, and even in Elmina, I went to I went to Elmina, I went to the Elmina Castle, the they try to say famous or infamous Elmina Castle, where the Portuguese uh, came in uh, centuries ago and shipped. I think they some figures say like a third of the slaves shipped from Sub-Saharan Africa were shipped through that port from Elmina Castle to North Carolina and to other places, yeah. or South Carolina and other places yeah. in Europe. And, um, it's sad, um, but. Those are the realities, and we have to acknowledge them and um, make it make deliberate effort that these things don't happen, right? I mean, I think that those are the things we can learn from it. Like, we have to make deliberate effort that these things are not going to happen again. I mean, it happened. What are we going to do that we don't repeat these things? I mean, and um, those are the things that younger generations of Africans and Blacks we need to look up to. I mean, so far we've not done so well about that. I mean, but there's always a starting point. Yeah, I mean, starting point, I mean, the African Continental Free Trade Act is one of them. Uh, how do we, you know, wherever you go to, how do we make sure we don't forget where we came from? How do we make sure that we develop the continent to make sure that it's something we can be proud of 
because we, we can't always be depending on aid or whatever you call it or be depending on, you know, look down on ourselves. You know, that's why I told myself that I'm not going to uh, give my kid like English name. They might have maybe English middle names or whatever, but like, I'm going to make sure that, you know, that they have uh, African names, uh, um, Nigerian names, Benin names, uh, which is uh, where I'm from. Uh, so, so things like that. So, regardless of what form uh, slavery is taking it, uh, taking place now, be it mental, economic, or whatever, uh, we, we have to look for a way uh, to, to to free ourselves from all, all those forms of slavery. Yeah, and back to your question on food. All right, so I eat fufu a lot. I eat fufu. I eat I eat Oh, you're talking about kinky? No, 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 no. It's not kinky. Kinky is more or less like a snack. No. Kinky is very heavy. No, kinky is, is almost like moi moi. So you use maize mm-hmm. and the but no, it's not kinky. I, I eat kinky oh. on my way to. <laughs> I eat kinky. I eat bamboo. I eat uh, rice. Um, I eat. Uh, I said watch already. I eat beans. Um, and you find all those things here? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I try to also cook. I mean, I, I cook. I think I'm good at cooking because I enjoy my food. I mean, so okay, I, okay. I, I, do you go to the African store here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to get kinky. I'll get paid. Well, what African store do you go to? Afrique? Afrique, yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I try to go to Afrique you know, yeah. once every other week, get my goosey, get yeah, my yeah, pop so. yeah, yeah, I try to. And sometimes I go to the Ghanaian restaurant, uh, Buko. Yeah, Buko. I'm actually supposed to go to like Bokum today. My roommate, uh, he loves Bokum. He's always there. So he wants me to go to Bokum. So since it's on the red line and I'm in Silver Spring, I might just head to Bokum sometimes. I try to also cook. Like so you're actually a good cook. Yeah. But it'd be nice. It'd be, now that I think about it, it'd be actually nice to pair you up with one Nigerian girl that. <laughs> oh, she thinks she's a good cook? No, yeah. I mean, both of you, like you bring like the Ghanaian side and she bring like the Nigerian side. And that can be a killer combination. You can do it. <laughs> I, I, I cook a lot. I cook a lot of stuff. And I try to eat a lot from the house also. And since I'm single, I mean... I, I mean, for now, you're single. Don't worry. After this episode, we'll talk <laughs> off air. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And let me talk a little bit about your uh, career trajectory, um, professional life. So I looked uh, a little bit at your profile, at your background. You always seem to be towing the line of political science, history, that kind of thing. So you have like an undergraduate degree in political science from Ghana, if I'm not mistaken. You came to the U.S. Currently, I do your PhD thesis and something similar. What is your interest in studying structures of politics and history? Is there a story there? Um, what's the reason for that? You see, um, I think one thing we are not doing very well is to leave politics to Everyone. I think politics is a big business. I think politics is like medicine. People need to study it, understand it, and be able to implement policies, right? Back home, you only need to be shot on the radio very loud to become a politician. Wow, shit. (laughs) 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 What you said is true. What I'm trying to say is like, growing up, I've always had this whole idea, and I question myself. I'm coming from a village where diamond is mined, right? And my grandparents told me stories about growing up where it rains and you can find diamonds on the floor. Wow. Like it rains and if there's erosion, you can find diamonds. And this is your grandparents, so it's not too long ago. Not too long ago. And my mom used to work in the diamond business locally. My dad did the same thing, right? But that village is one of the poorest you can find in any part of the world. 
Wow. Right. So I was questioning myself, why do we have diamond? We have um land for cocoa and everything. We produce everything. Yeah, we are so poor. I mean, what is going on here? And to me, the answer to that is politics. We've not had our politics right. And that's how come I've been so much involved in politics from the background, right? I've not been very active as in taking up political appointments and all those things, but I've been studying it. And to me, if you can understand what exactly is going and what how people are getting it right and contextualize it, right? We cannot pick everything from any part of the world and make it work. You no, know, go different courses and everything. But at least there's something in Singapore or Malaysia that they've done right that can be applicable to Togo or Benin. Mm. And those are the things we have to look out for. And if you're able to do that and get our politics right, Africa will be a golden place. Because individual Africans are doing very well. It's not surprising to go to Accra and you see one of the most beautiful mansions you can think of, a wager, a East Lagoon, a West Lagoon. Right? Oh, it's just one person. It it's just not. one person. And ironically, the road to that neighborhood is not working. Mm. There's no sewage system. Electricity is not consistent. Water. And these are things that need to be provided by the state. Right? And that's the point I'm making. Individuals are doing good, but the state is failing us. So we have to question ourselves, what is about the state? Yeah. Right? That is failing us. Are we not producing people competent enough to administer our country? What is going on? Like these are questions I've been yeah. thinking about. And that's funny, right? Because that's a sharp contrast to the communal nature that our culture mm -hmm. uh, uh, teaches us. Uh, and it's just frustrating sometimes. So I was, me personally, I was like part of an alumni association for my high school. I was like the president for like three years. And my mantra was always uh, group hustle always trumps individual hustle. And I was always trying to like, you know, come up with programs to make people, you know, come together. And because I was like, this is a long haul. The long haul is, you know, people from this high school, if someone is the chief justice tomorrow or the president, uh, we should have built that bond uh, to the point where we're, we're strong enough to like help each other as a community, give back to our alma mater and help the local community where the school is built. But, you know, at a point, it almost seemed like everyone was just focused on their own individual uh, trajectory. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense because if you spend 10, 15 years bettering yourself, fine, you gain the money, you gain the power, you gain the fame. But when you circle back wanting to share that fame or showcase that fame or use that fame to help the community, you'll be so far detached from that community that you even know what to do. You just find yourself joining one gated community somewhere and just being cut off. And before you know, your children and grandchildren have been cut off from um, their culture and things. So. Yeah. And I think as a continent, as a people, right, we have to sit back and ask ourselves, where do we want to see ourselves in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? What kind of future are we going to find? Because we are still juggling in between what, who we are, what will term as tradition, and modernization, what we've been taught. We are still chatting. So I always tell myself that we are, we are confused. Like, we don't really know which one to pick. And we don't necessarily have to pick one over the other. But the point is, what do we really want to have? Can we merge it? Can we pick aspects of the so-called westernized culture mm -hmm. and merge it with our tradition? So that we understand it better. Which are things that are done in the West every time, right? When the Portuguese, the French, and all this came to Africa, they took parts of our culture, they took our resources, and they used it to make their societies better. So why 
not be able to do that. Yeah, and that to, is a struggle. That is a struggle for us. To and combine ideologies in order to, to make... Uh, but some people also believe in the conspiracy that there's a deliberate effort to keep us divided. There's a deliberate effort to keep us uh, brainwashed and there's a deliberate effort to promote that inferiority complex so that we don't think and come together and you know make that continent like great. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that fact, right? Mm-hmm. But this is not the 18th century. Mm. Right, the 21st century. Mm. Information, everything is accessible, at least on your phone. Mm. Right. So if someone is trying to keep us down, let us go inferior, and we know of it now, what are we doing about it? Mm. That is the question, right? And that's why I said earlier on, the whole world is structured as a zero-sum game. So it might be true that others want us to lose because the moment Francophone Africa comes together, France will become a third world nation. They know it. So on that basis, they're going to do everything possible to keep you and keep the status quo at the ace now. But I know it. You know it. Omar Bongo knows it. Everybody in the Frankfurt world knows it. So what are we doing about it? I mean, we might not be able to overturn the system in a day, in a minute, mm-hmm. in whatever it is. But gradually, what can we do about it? Can we renegotiate some of the colonial treaties? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? Because these are things we know. Why should the Frankfurt country, especially with France, yeah, in colonial tax? I mean, it's crazy. Like some Frankfurt, I think the Gambia and maybe Guinea-Bissau. I'm not sure. Are still paying some form of every Francophone uh, country in Africa pays to yeah. to the French government till day. Today, it's mean, ridiculous. So, so if you tell me that uh, there's systematic effort to keep Africans down, of course. Because almost all the resources the world needs, you can find them in Africa. Yeah, so I mean, almost everything that goes into cell phone, you uh, can find it in Africa. Yeah. So there'll be deliberate effort to make Congo ungovernable. That is what someone is doing. But you as an African, you as a Congolese, Tikiseidi, President Tikiseidi, Kabila, I mean, these are people who understand the games. What are you doing? I mean, are you going to side with people to oppress Congolese, you're going to stand with Congolese. I mean, these are things, these are decisions we have to take. These are choices because, yes, it's in the interest of Belgium for Congo to be destabilized. I mean, they've done that for centuries and it's going to be in their interest. But what about Congolese? Why should somebody living in Congo, Goma, wouldn't be able to have access to portable water? It makes no sense. And, and they might not necessarily, maybe we need to take part of that blame also because they, they might not necessarily be able to um, go through with their agenda if they don't have people who sell their own brothers and sisters exactly. out, who just for gratification of some kind and their families just sell their whole community yeah. and sell their whole race out. And you've always had that, right? From the days of Judas. And- yeah, you've always had that. And you, you hear, um, I forgot the um, name of this caller who said that when he's trying to uh, afflict black, the black race, he has also used another hand trying to prevent them from pulling him down. Yeah. Like, right? That is a technology. Patrice the Lumba. Patrice Lumumba. Kill. Is it P L P P L O Lumumba or Lumumba, the late Lumumba? The late Lumumba. Okay. I mean, he was just brutally murdered. Yeah. Sold by Africans. Yeah. Right? Kwame Nkrumah. Yeah. And so we have to understand the whole thing. If it's a game, if it's there's conspiracy theories that Africans are going to be made to feel inferior, we're going to benefit from their resources, we also have to look within because they cannot get you 
without going to treat someone to say no, you know, you know. No, but I'm happy. It's, it's so refreshing to be talking about things like this with you because I meet so many of my friends uh, when I talk about things like this. It's not like they, they rather talk about, you know, music and just like fickle things. When I talk about, you know, long-term things and what is, what can we do as a continent? What can we do as a people? What is the end game to all this hustling we're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, And, you know, not a lot of people tend to, you know, be able to converse uh, to participate in that kind of conversation. I'm just happy that I got to be a part of PADIA, you know, African Union Mission, uh, organizations like that, African student organizations all over. And I just believe that now, now we have so many Africans doing great things. So it's just left to us to, to find how we can come together, be cohesive and attack the problems. And you know, It wouldn't be easy. Let me. Be it would, it, and it might not be one generation, it's, but we need to start. No, we need to start somewhere. Yeah. It will take a it will take a while, but yeah. we need people who can do it, and we need yeah. uh, people who are willing to go the extra mile and take responsibility. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's up to us to do it, or the next generation is still going to fail. Yeah, I mean, we, with little platforms like this, the podcast, or what you're doing in school, with education, what I'm doing in the private sector, you know, hopefully we can continue to to promote uh, this agenda for Africa. Uh, let me talk briefly about, you're still within the political realm and your career, let me talk briefly about your involvement in the D.C. mayor's office. Uh, is that something that's still ongoing currently, or is that something you did in the past? No, it's still ongoing. I'm a commissioner um, at the D.C. mayor's office. Oh, really? Office. Like, this is uh, Mayor Muriel Browser mm-hmm. of yeah. Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 commissioner in her office. Yeah, you did a, you did a good research. <laughs> okay, I want to know exactly what you're doing in the DC mayor's office because that's an interesting uh, and when I saw that, I was like, I have to ask him about this. Well, basically, we try to promote the interests of Africans within the mayor's office. So, you know, policies about who is involved, who gets what, when and how. And the mayor is a black woman, by yeah, the way. Yeah. So, we try to African American um, <clears throat> get her attention in terms of policy wise, what Africans are doing what uh, might be affecting them, I mean, and get the voice of Africans out there in the policy world, I mean, basically, so I represent um, World 5, I represent Howard University, I represent um, people of African descent and talk about challenges they are going through, um, some of the opportunities available to them, because most of the time, the resources are there, but people are not even aware that the resources are there, so we try to connect the African community with resources, bring their problems uh-huh. and issues to the, the right authorities, those kind of things, like more like lobbying, negotiating, nice. policy wise. I mean, it cuts across, but nice. anything related to the African person nice. in DC. I mean, DC has a very sizable African population, yeah. man, like Ethiopians, uh, Ghanaians, like a lot of people yeah, in yeah. here. Yeah. Does that mean, with your educational background and your participation in local politics and things like that, does that mean you're going to make a play for national politics in Ghana sometime in the future? In some capacity, if you are called to serve, will you answer the call? <laughs> I cannot answer that, Kazella, but I mean, I'm a political scientist, right? Mm. Um, I've studied it, I've practiced it some way or the other. I think I'm still learning, I think I'm still growing in it. I can never turn my back on Ghanaians, I can never turn my back on Africans. I mean, if the right opportunity comes and I feel like I can make meaningful impacts, why not? I okay. mean, it might not be in Ghana, it might be in Rwanda, it might be Uganda, it might be South Africa, but the most important thing is contributing to um, the advancement of the black race mm. to Africans, and that is that is it. I mean, so oh, nice. I mean, 
Don't be surprised we see me at the next presidential gun. I look forward to it, man. I look forward to it. I mean, I I I I like to get people to say these things on the podcast because I am not just doing this for just doing sake. Um, I, I'm really focused on the content. I'm really focused on uh, the people who are listening. I'm really focused on trying to build some kind of community. And you know, we'll be we'll be keeping tabs. Uh, we wish you the best. Anything we can do to help, uh, we'll, we'll do. Really appreciate you coming here to talk Thank to me you. today. Um, we have something, but before we even go to end game, is there any particular thing, maybe there's a question, something you'd like to talk on, maybe you want to make a statement or something. I'll just give you a few seconds of or one minute to, to say something that I probably missed. Uh, I think we've covered almost everything, mm-hmm. um, but most importantly, I think people of Africans talk, right? We need to realize who we are, right? So if someone is trying to pull you down there is a possibility that there's something within you that they allow you to grow preach it's gonna grow them right and that's why they do everything possible to make you feel inferior look at it from that perspective right so if you can do that and you look within develop yourself right it might not be formal education it might not be whatever interests you develop yourself keep going like keep believing in yourself and I'm pretty sure if we do that and we keep working hard, I mean, the sky will be our limit. I mean, creation started from the continent. There's a reason those things happen. Right? So mm-hmm. we just have to believe in ourselves, keep working hard. I mean, people are going to try to let you feel less human and everything. But I think the problem is more with those people than with you. Preach. So nice. Nicely said. Nicely said. Okay, let's play Endgame. Endgame is just a segment we play. Uh, it's a game we play at the end of the podcast uh, to try to uh, communicate uh, some of these cultural uh, information, all this information about other cultures uh, to our listeners so they can be better informed. So I just have three questions for you, uh, uh, mostly centered around Ghana. Um, try our best to answer them, uh, talk about them so people can be informed. Okay, so first question. Are you ready? Bring it on. Okay, so talking about currency, uh, the U.S. has dollars and cents. Uh, what are the currencies in Ghana? CD and pesos. Exactly, exactly. So er, most people know CDs, uh, but most people don't know pesos. Mm-hmm. So pesos are kind of like the coins. No, pesos is like um, the cent. The se- yeah, the, the coins, yeah, the cents. Yeah, 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 like the small. So a uh, hundred pesos make uh, one CD. So yeah, and I think the Ghanaian CD is actually one to five against the US dollar. Yeah, because when I went to Ghana, I thought I would just be balling out of control, but I just saw that <laughs> like, this is one to five with the dollar. It's not much different, but <laughs> I mean it was different, but you know, yeah, I think the currency was, was rebased uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. It was doing well pretty much, but I mean mid part of the year things kind of went downhill, but Oh, it's not. It's no longer one to five. It's one to five. I think it was doing better than that. Better than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Second question. What's uh, Ghana's major export? Um. Now oil. We have cocoa. We have um gold. And we have the people. To me, that's the yeah. most important thing. Like, I mean, human resources. That should be the most important thing. And if you look at any major organization, any major thing that takes place in the world, there's a Ghanaian somewhere. Ghanaian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rightly, rightly said. I mean, Ghana is a major export. They export so many valuable commodities. Uh, gold, like you said, the, the diamond, cocoa is a huge one uh, from Ghana. The people of Ghana also. Uh, are, Any major thing that happens in the world, this has to be a Ghanaian. 
Gotcha. So just let me just uh, say uh, last question, uh, and this is about Elmina. Do you happen to know um, just a bit of history here, um, especially for maybe people of African descent who are listening all over the world, talking about Elmina Castle? Um, <clears throat> do you happen to know when it was built? That escaped me. That, that's so, a hard question. Yeah, but I'll tell you the native name for Elmina is Edna. Edna. Yeah. 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 I mean, Elmina. Uh, it was actually a name, uh, I think, bestowed by the Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And the name actually, Elmina, actually translates to gold mine. Yeah. So just to show how they were shipping the resources out of, they built a castle and called it the gold mine, yeah. built in 1482 by the Portuguese. And it was a major contributor to the transatlantic uh, slave trade. So, yeah, a bit of... Uh, history there. So Africans, uh, we need to wake up. We need to move our continent forward. We need to be more deliberate in how we live our lives and not just, uh, you know, especially Africans in the diaspora, not looking at it as we made it and we're gone and our brothers and sisters are back home. We need to think collectively on how we can go back and develop uh, the continent. So thank you very much for coming, Richard, uh, Richmond, sorry. <laughs> and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. You want to drop like your social media or contacts in case anybody wants to get in touch with you. I don't know. Facebook, Namaya Danso, and yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, you can also follow us uh, Culture Class Podcast everywhere also. Uh, Twitter is Culture Class Pod, Instagram Culture Class Podcast, Facebook Culture Class Podcast. Send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check out the African Union mission. Uh, do a Google search. Uh, do a Google search on the Pan African Diaspora Youth Association. Also, uh, participate, educate yourself, and grow. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening.